Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of BNG in the Morning. As always, I'm Brett Williams here with my co-host Gavin Schaus, and this week our special guest is Worth County running back Alex Reinhart. First of all, Alex, just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we're just going to get right into the questions here. Uh, first off, we're going to talk a little bit about your game last Friday, a 70 to 50 win over North Andrew, and just uh, what was the key for to victory in that game for you guys? Um, you know, we want to come out uh, every game and, you know, uh, don't look down on our competition no matter who they are, what their record is. And, you know, we want to come out and play everybody like we're playing the best team in the state. Um, I think Friday uh, we kind of struggled on defense a little bit, but our offense kind of kind of won that game for us. So that was big. Yeah, I know I looked at that score and I was like, man, North Andrew put 50 up on Worth County. Um, that was kind of surprising, but the offense kind of picked up the slack and you guys got back on track, got the win, stay undefeated. So, uh, second question for you. Coming into the season, I think mostly mostly everyone you talked about, the talk of the town was Stanbury and King City. Those two teams were the, the big two teams to watch. And did that give you guys a little bit of a chip on your shoulder coming into the season? Like, we want to prove ourselves that we're just as good, if not better, than those teams? Um, yeah, you know, coming into the season, we were uh, kind of a little disrespected, you know. Um, and we wanted to come in and show everyone that we worked hard all summer. You know, we'll continue to work hard throughout the season. So, yeah, we kind of we kind of played every on our shoulder, you know. And we just wanted to get to that top spot, you know, stay there and prove to everyone that we're better than they thought at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have. And um, what are a couple of things that you and the team has done to this point that has you playing so well to the point where you're currently undefeated and ranked number one in the state? Um, you know, we kind of just, uh, we kind of have that good bond. We can hold each other in check. You know, we can, we can tell each other something, try to coach each other up, you know, and, uh, not get mad at each other. Cause you know, uh, previous years we had teams that we would kind of bicker back and forth, you know, just drag each other down. And, uh, this year it's kind of been a big part of, uh, what we kind of wanted to do is, uh, pick each other up and, you know, be able to be a good team and, uh, not get down on each other. For sure. Yeah. Obviously, like I said before, it's a great mindset to have team team oriented sometimes the teams that are a better team outplay the more talented teams just because of their bond they have so being the number one team in eight man right now how do you obviously you guys have are going to have a target on your back teams are going to be gunning for you trying to beat you and knock you down a little bit um how do you deal with that and do you feel any pressure to keep your win streak going and stay number one uh, yeah, you know, we feel a little pressure, um, but we just try not to pay a lot of attention to it because, you know, with all the social media, we just want to do our own thing and let our uh, play speak for itself. Uh, um, but, you know, it's it's nice to be ranked number one and uh, get all the attention, but uh, we just want to stay there and uh, prove to everyone that we're the number one team in the state. Definitely. Yeah, I got to stay hungry. So last question from me, and then Gavin will get into his. Uh, we're going to shift our focus on to – this upcoming Friday night at Stanbury. And obviously we don't want, we don't want you to tell us your whole game plan. Cause obviously, but just look ahead, looking ahead to this Friday night, uh, both of you guys have really solid defenses, both ranked top 10. You give up uh, top 10, the least amount of points average on average per game. So this could potentially come down to which offense can outperform the other. And what have you guys been doing in practice this week to make sure that you can outdo the Stanbury defense? Uh, you know, we, sticking to what we've been doing all year you know coming out every practice and practicing like uh, could be our last um you know we're trying to just improve our offense and improve our defense majorly especially from last friday but uh you know just uh kind of keep that same mindset of uh we want to work harder than you um 
And uh, we want to come out this Friday and prove to the state and everyone that uh, we're better than them. Yeah, of course. And like I said before, that's going to do it for my questions. And Gavin, go ahead and get into yours. Um, so I didn't send this question to you beforehand. I just kind of thought of it. Um, you know, Worth County and Stanbury, especially in the male sports, uh, basketball, um, football, have kind of been the top two top two guys in the area. Um is this starting to become a rivalry for you guys, and do you take this matchup personal? Uh, yeah, you know, it's a big matchup, whether it's uh, football or basketball, you know. Um, we've kind of played each other since most of us seniors have been freshmen, and, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of nice to get a win against each other, get the bragging rights, but, uh, you know, it's it's always fun, and it's uh, it's competitive against each other. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, Looking at Worth County, we've kind of asked uh, these people that we've interviewed, you know, the culture around King City and the culture around Stanbury. Um, growing up, um, especially around here, Worth County has had the strongest culture in every sport, male or female, that I've seen around here. How does that culture, um, you know, bringing the whole town to the football field, having the whole town support you, does that bring any pressure to you? And how does that help come game time? Uh, you know, the pressure's big for uh, Worth County, you know, because uh, football's really big in Worth County. Everyone kind of relies on the football team. Um, you know, we're, we're usually a pretty decent team. And uh, having the town support us, having uh, big crowds at home games and whatnot, you know, it's, it makes it a little easier in game time when we're on defense. You know, the crowd, crowd's rocking. Definitely. Uh, you know, it kind of helps you get that, that uh, hype you need for the game and uh, makes the game more fun. For sure, for sure. And, uh, so I've also asked this to every person I've interviewed. Um, what's kind of your top three music go-to before a game gets you ready to go and locked in? Um, you know, I like uh, I like a little bit of Drake, so probably like Knife Talk or something like that, okay. one of the newer songs. All right. Um, uh, Thug Paradise. All right, all right. And I like uh, Meek Mill, Dreams and Nightmares, okay. or um, – Another one would be uh, First Day Out by uh, T Grizzly. All right, all right. like the music choices, Alex. Well, I think if that's all Gavin's got, uh, that's going to do it for, for the interview. Uh, once again, Alex, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate getting these these uh, point of views from other, from other schools and especially some of the top teams. We obviously did uh, Austin's way back from Sanbury, and now we've got We've, you've came on, and so now we've kind of got a lot of the top teams. So we thank you for coming on and giving us a point of view and a look inside from Worth County. Uh, yeah. All righty. Um, thank you for the interview, and uh, good luck this week. We'll definitely be watching. All right. Thank you. Yep, bye. Bye. Once again, Alex, thanks for coming on and giving us a look inside Worth County. Um, Gavin, what? Are your thoughts on this Albany game this past Friday night? Yeah, um, you know, Albany played well the first half. I can't remember the exact score. 22-6. 22-6 going into halftime, which is is not terrible. That was actually the first quarter score, and then in the second quarter, yeah. no teams um, scored. And so I think, um, you know, looking at as an Albany fan, I think you have to – take away the good things, and I think Albany played well um, against a really, really good um, King City team. 
And I think uh, King City also played well. I don't think they did anything wrong. I think these uh, offenses are both very, very run heavy. And both not a lot of teams um, pass the ball. Kemper, Klein looks a little, you know, he looks a little uncomfortable throwing the ball. I think as the game went on, he felt a little more comfortable. You know, he was throwing deep passes to Ian Campbell and uh, one to Garrett um, that looked really good. Um, you know, next week, Albany is at home for the last home game of the year. We play Pattonsburg, which is a pass, a pass heavy offense. And we've talked about this Albany pass defense. So we'll, we'll see what Albany defense comes to play. Yeah, like you said, I think if you told Albany players and fans and coaches that at halftime we were going to be down 22 to 6, I think they'd be like, okay, we're in a pretty good spot. And even with that, there was a drop touchdown from Garrett Phillips that was a touch that was a touchdown mm-hmm. and also a punt return that they took back. So, really the first half was actually I mean, it was a pretty good first half Absolutely. all told from from Albany. Then the second half kind of happened and it's it was kind of a theme in the North Andrew game too, the second half and the third quarter especially, they kind of fell apart. So looking ahead at to next week, this is this Pattonsburg team is a very winnable, the winnable game. But the problem is Worth County special or not Worth County, but um Pattonsburg specializes in what Albany is not very good at, and that's defending the pass. Absolutely. So you definitely know that Albany's gonna be hitting that pass defense hard and you got to know where you're supposed to be at on the field. There's been several times where Albany has been prone to give up the big play, and they've got to stop that because I think Albany's probably favored. I think they would pro- most people would say Albany should win this game, but anything can happen. And like you said, Pennsburg kind of matches up well against Albany just because they're, they're a pass heavy team. They do well with it, and Albany doesn't defend it so And well. with Timothy Papa, who's a starting cornerback for Albany, out. Um, you're really going to be looking at the next guy up. And I'm not sure who the next guy up is, but, you know, this week you're going to have to, I mean, drill it in his brain. Um, you have to guard You have to guard well, especially against a team like Pattonsburg who plays fast um, and they, you know, throw the ball a lot, like we've said. Um, so we'll see what happens in that game. I'm excited to watch it. Um, it'll be at home, so we'll see. Yep, that um, is Albany's last game of the season as well before district. So they're going to be looking to want to get some momentum built up before they go into the district or the district tournament. Um, looking at other games, uh, South Holt ends up beating Rockport. Um, and we predicted South Holt was going to jump into the top 10, and they do um, at number nine. So I'm glad. I'm glad we, uh, we predicted that. Um, and then probably. Uh, the game of the week, we have Stanbury against East Atchison, and we we knew this was going to be the game of the week going into it. We interviewed Austin, and Austin told uh, his keys to victory, and you know they didn't quite get it done. Um, Forty-eight to forty-two victory for East Atchison, and this is the most points we've seen uh, East Atchison give up. As Stanbury's offense is very very lethal. Um, Anything yeah. else you want to say about well, the game? Well, this is this is Stanbury's second loss straight, and I think a, I think something that because Stanbury plays Worth County this next upcoming week, and that's going to be a very good game to watch. Um, I think the thing to watch out for is this. This could be the hardest game Stanbury like the 
the, the most hard that Sanbury plays all year, if that makes sense. Because they're like, man, we were just undefeated two weeks ago. Now we're looking at where we've lost two straight and we're playing the number one team in the state. We we cannot lose this. Absolutely. Because then they're looking at finishing the season five and three. And they obviously don't want that. They would much rather be six and two. So I think this could be the hardest we see Stanbury, we've seen Stanbury play all season. And, you, I mean, you – you gotta like I asked uh, Alex Reinhardt. This is gonna be a personal matchup. I mean, these two teams are the best teams around here in both basketball and football. And you know, watching those basketball games, they get chippy. They get in each other's faces. Um, and so, this is gonna be a personal matchup um, going into next week. And I'm I'm honestly excited for it. I think it's going to be a great game. I don't. Stanbury hasn't been blowed out both times they lost. They lost by nope. six this game, and they lost by one against North Shelby. Yeah, this is going to be another cont- uh, pretty close game, I feel like. Worth County, like we said in the interview, gets a 70-50 to 50 win over North Andrew, and I, I said it in the interview that I saw that score, and I was like, man, North Andrew put 50 up on Worth County, so not exactly the Worth County defense we're used to seeing, but I think that they kind of get back on track this next week. North Shelby, that's a they played Oric, got a fifty-two to twelve win. Those are two of the top top teams. North Shelby gets a pretty big win over another top ranked team. Absolutely. And we also see number seven, Saints Paul Lutheran, fall to Knox County fifty-four to fifty-eight. I think that's gonna wrap up uh eight man football. So I think um that's gonna lead us right into college football and what a weekend. It was for college football. Yeah, as always, college football is, I think, mostly just college sports in general. Some of the crazy stuff happens in college. So we see Texas A&M. They continue their their hot streak after beating Alabama. They kind of handle Missouri. We kind of expected that. Connor Bazelak did not have his best game, throwing for 230 yards and two picks. Mizzou's three and four at this point, and we we didn't even talk about them the past, the last the last podcast because they're just not really that good. Playing in the SEC, they they don't really compete against the top teams. And Oklahoma State, they get a win against Texas. Kind of expected that Texas really Absolutely. isn't really isn't too great. They're not bad. They're not that great. Cincinnati, they get a win over UCF. They move into the second spot, which is. Which is insane to me. I don't think they deserve to be a number two ranked team. They're, they they're playing good. They have one of the top ranked defenses, and they're playing good. You gotta give them some love. That they move into the top two or the number two slot after Purdue beats Iowa in an upset, twenty four to seven. I kind of talked about this in the last episode that uh, I saw. I didn't really. I wasn't a big believer in this Iowa team. I I thought that if they got a de- an offense that could. That was a little bit of a maybe not an elite offense, but one of those top tier offenses that could kind of outperform this defense. They would lose, and I didn't expect it to be at the hands of Purdue. Definitely not. So Iowa's CFP hopes are probably dashed with that loss. Kentucky loses to Georgia, but only by seventeen. That's really not that could be that could have been a lot worse. Talking about this this Georgia team because they've dominated some of these teams. And- Honestly, their quarterback didn't play too well. Um, he went 14 for 20 with um, 250 yards. I, he did throw three touchdowns. Yeah, he 14 for 20, that's not a big uh, sample size, but 14 completions, he threw three touchdowns. Pretty big or pretty good uh, ratio there. 
Kentucky's quarterback, on the other hand, has to throw a bit more, throws 42 passes. Did not throw a pick, though, which is actually great that's against a, that's this a, Georgia defense. That's a win. That's a win for this Georgia defense is not having a pick. So rushing, this Kentucky team really didn't have much success rushing against them. Their top rusher had 14 yards on a 2.8 average per carry, so not exactly the best. And Oklahoma goes ahead, as we predicted, sticks with Caleb Williams, and they get the win against TCU, and it wasn't a comeback win. Nope, they they controlled this win, or they controlled this game, win 52-31, to 31, and Caleb Williams has a great game, 18 for 23, 295, and four touchdowns. Kennedy Brooks for Oklahoma has 20 carries for 153 yards. Great game from him. He also has a touchdown. And I just want to talk about Caleb, Caleb Williams for a second. Like, this Caleb Williams is not – he's not just a walk-on recruit for Oklahoma. He was the number one quarterback in his class coming into Oklahoma. And so I think it's great. He gets he gets the nod this week. He shows up. He balls out. And I, now I genuinely think this Oklahoma team is a top-four team. Yeah. Before, I thought they were frauds. I didn't think Spencer Rattler could lead this team. And my predictions were right. I mean – Spencer Radler, he's probably going to be in the transfer portal after this year. And I think Caleb Williams um, is going to stay another year at Oklahoma, obviously. But I think I think this Oklahoma team is very good. Yeah, I think they go ahead and slip into one of those top four spots and they end up in the CFP. They're already – they're at the number three spot already. I think they keep that I, – I think they keep a top four spot for the rest of the Absolutely. year. Absolutely. So just going ahead and – that's all the games I think we wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into the top uh, five that we've been doing. So, obviously, Georgia, they stay at number one with their win. Cincinnati, we said, moves to the moves to number two with their continued win streak. Oklahoma slides up number three. Alabama wins, and they get up to number four. So, they're now in a top four spot. And Ohio State uh, moves up to number five. With Iowa's loss, there was some shifts happening, and basically everyone moved up one spot. Iowa drops down to number 11. I think this Ohio State team, I think they're kind of unlucky with – if Cincinnati loses and they continue yeah. to win, they'll they'll get into a top-four spot. But if Cincinnati finishes the year undefeated, I think there's going to be a lot more of those people saying, we need to expand this, we need to expand this, because Ohio State is playing really well, but there's just four spots. I, I personally, I think Cincinnati is going to drop a game. I don't know who. I haven't seen their schedule. I think they're going to drop a game. I think Ohio State is going to slide up in there. But I think well, also – Michigan, too. They're number if, six, and they're 6-0. and oh. Yeah, and I think whoever wins the Big Ten is going to get that fourth spot. So I think Cincinnati drops, and then whoever wins this Big Ten, which Iowa is still in contention to win the Big Ten – I think whoever wins the Big Ten get that four spot, and we'll have two SEC teams in Alabama, and Georgia. We'll have a Big Ten school, and we'll have um, a Big Twelve school in Oklahoma. Yeah, like I like we said, I think Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma stays in there with Caleb Williams at the helm, and I think we have two SEC teams in Georgia and Alabama. I don't think Alabama loses another game, and I think Georgia finishes undefeated. Absolutely. I'm still picking Georgia to win this whole thing. They're so good. They're I, so good. It's going to be an exciting game. The only team that can beat them is Alabama, I think, just because they have that championship mentality. Like, For sure. We're Alabama. We're the best of the best. we got Nick Saban, legend, legendary college coach. If someone's going to beat Georgia, it's going to be Alabama. But we'll go, we'll, luckily, we'll get to see that game in the SEC championship, and I'm definitely going to make it a point to watch that game. For sure. So I think if – 
I think if you have nothing else to add, we can go ahead and go into some NBA just a little bit. Season kicked off tonight with the Bucks and the Nets playing, and then the Warriors versus Lakers kicks off here in just a few minutes. Well, the Bucks Nets game has already ended. The Bucks championship seat or championship uh, ceremony de- defend. Well, their championship. They're trying to defend their championship. That's what I'm trying to say. If I ever get spit out, they start off on a hot note. And they get a 23-point win over the Nets with no Kyrie. Kyrie's not going to play for the Nets as long as he's not vaccinated. They went 127-104. to 104. Lakers Warriors going to play here in a few minutes. And I, Lakers probably going to win that game, get off to a hot start as well. What um, do you think? I just – I feel like Kyrie, I think he is going to get vaccinated. I don't think – I don't know, man. He's pretty He's pretty adamant he's not going to do it. I just – I don't see – I obviously see why he wouldn't. I mean, I understand people don't want to get it, but we don't have to get into that. Um, I just – I think that he's going to miss playing basketball, and I think, you know, if the Nets – the Nets got to trade him. If he's not going to – Oh, yeah, they will. I think, I think they will if it goes too long without him getting vaccinated. I think they're just giving him a chance – and then they'll trade him if he if it's a few weeks and he still hasn't got it. I, I really think they will because you got to get something back. You can't just let him sit there and you're paying him a lot of money. You yeah. You can't just let him sit there on the bench. So we'll that'll be interesting for sure. But that's surprisingly. Well, can can he even travel with the team? I'm not sure if he can travel or not. I think he. Well, yeah, he can travel to away games. He just because he was he can play away uh-huh. games. The, the team's just not allowing him. I don't know if the team will allow him to travel or not, but by the rules he can. Now, whether the team allows him to or not is a different story. Yeah. But surprisingly, that's not even the most drama-filled thing going on. The mm. biggest drama right now in the NBA is Ben Simmons and the Sixers team. I thought the, I thought that they would kind of get over it, but that does not seem to be the case as Ben Simmons today at practice was actually kicked out of practice and has been suspended for one game for con for conduct detrimental to the team. What actually what the situation happened was Doc Rivers threw him out of practice for not being engaged, and then the suspension came. Video there was a video that came out of well, for one, Ben Simmons, you could see his phone in his pocket, mm-hmm. and if you're practicing with your phone in your pocket, you're just you're not going hard enough. Yeah, it's just you're just not going hard enough, like Gavin said. And then the team breaks down to end practice, and everyone stays behind just to get some shots up and do their thing. And Simmons just walks straight yeah, he, out. He made a beeline straight out yeah, of the just facility. immediately leaves. And then today, what got him kicked out of practice was Doc Rivers asked him to join a defensive drill, and Simmons refused. And then Rivers asked him again, and one more time, Simmons said no. And then Rivers was like, "All right, you could just go home." And Simmons dropped the ball and left. And I don't think I think being an out you know a fan on the outside, I don't think anyone expected um, Ben Simmons to give a hundred percent. Anyway, I, I really think he actually got a one point four million dollar fine as well. I think that Simmons is there solely so he doesn't get fined. He's not going to go out there and try. I think because the the Sixers came out and said they weren't going to pay him if he doesn't mm-hmm. if he didn't play. So I think he's there just to. So he can get paid, and he's hurting his trade value. No team wants this attitude, and you know when that um, 76er official 
came out and said that Ben Sim, they've been trying to get Ben Simmons a shot. He doesn't want to get in the gym. And I think this shows. I mean, he's a yeah. big baby. Yep. And after they practice on media, I was talking to Joel Embiid, and this is a direct quote from Embiid. He said, at this point, I don't care about that man. Honestly, he does whatever he wants. And I think Sim, I think Embiid at first wanted to try and fix this relationship between Simmons and the rest of the Sixers, but I think now he's over it. it it's broken. And I think I think I'd be over it too. Simmons is kind of being a little bit of a baby here. I understand that this team doesn't kind of turn their back on him, like you said. But I don't I don't think it was the team. I think the players and Doc Rivers wanted to get past it. They still believed in Ben Simmons, but the organization, the head office, and the fans turned their back on him, and I I don't know. Well, and Rivers kind of has himself to blame for this because at, right after the right after the Eastern Conference Finals, whenever or the semifinals, whenever the Hawks just beat the the Sixers and Simmons passed up that layup, everyone's seen that. If you haven't seen it, you probably just aren't that big of an NBA fan because every NBA fan has seen it. Um, and Rivers said he was asked, "Do you think that Simmons can be the point guard of a championship team?" And Rivers said, "I don't know." That was his exact words. Basically, was I don't know. And I think if you, I think if you want to keep Simmons, you just you just you just say, "Yeah, he's our yeah. guy." Even if you even if you don't believe it, you you can't say, "Oh, I don't know," because that how how do you expect him to react? But that's basically that that drama. A lot of drama going on in the NBA. Just some small stories that came out. Zion Williamson, he's going to miss the start of the NBA season. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. And that that was a week ago, so we're probably looking at about a week and a half, a week left, when he'll be reevaluated. And I hope I hope this isn't a series of I know. injuries. Yeah, Sim, or Simmons. Um, Williamson is kind of having a – he missed the start of his rookie season too, and he didn't come – he didn't play until January, February. So I – I really hope that he's not one of those guys that's like, man, he could have been so good if he didn't have those injury problems. Absolutely. And some contract extensions that came out just start of the year, just want to get these guys extended, locked down for the future. Mikel Bridges for the Suns and Jaron Jackson Jr., the Grizzlies, all getting new deals. Four-year, $90 million for Bridges and four-year, 105 for Jaron Jackson Jr., Kevin Herter also gets a four-year, $65 million extension. And while we're on the topic of extensions, DeAndre Ayton and the Suns, they were doing their negotiations, and they kind of stalled because DeAndre Ayton wants the max. He's seeing guys drafted with him, Luka, Trey. He wants, he, wants the, uh, he wants the max too. They got the max. He wants it. And the Suns right now at this point are not willing to give him that max. And so, Gavin, my question to you is, do you think that DeAndre Ayton is deserving of the rookie max? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Go ahead. I mean, he performed. He performed well in the finals. Um, he played a good finals, but he wasn't really a piece that made much of a difference through the regular season. Um, and he played well. I'm not saying he played bad, but he's not a Luka. He's not a Trey. He's not a leader of a team that's making the playoffs as – you said those two guys are in that draft class, but but they are leading teams. They aren't a third piece in a team um, that's playing well. Um, Trey Young completely turns the Hawks franchise around. I mean, honestly, and yeah, he deserves a max contract. Luca, generational t- talent. Yeah, he is. He is amazing, and he made he made the Mavs. 
not a laughing stock of the NBA. Well, he he could potentially be the MVP this year. He actually is my pick to be MVP this year. Absolutely, and I don't think DeAndre Ayton is even close to that. He, like I said, he's a third option on a team on a playoff team. Well, here's here's my take on DeAndre Ayton. Not even the fact that he isn't the best player on his team. It's just that centers in today's NBA aren't that valuable. Absolutely Unless your not. name is Nikola Jokic, and you could put up triple doubles. You're not I, Nikola Jokic. I can see getting in the max because he he's a big part of the Nuggets. But DeAndre Ayton, he, he he's kind of he's not on the top tier of centers. He's probably second to top, and centers in today's NBA just aren't that valuable. You could you could replace DeAndre Ayton with Hassan Whiteside, and you would probably not see a difference. Hassan Whiteside today? Yes. I don't know if he, you could you wouldn't see a difference defensively. I don't think offensively. Aiton did average 14.4 points, shot 62%. I think that that is valuable, but you could find a center that can shoot, that can average 14 points a game. Put Al Horford in there, and you see a little bit of difference on offense, but not much. And he's not as good defensively, I don't think, either. I just, like you said, they're not, they're not as, you know, they're not as special. Well, yeah, they're just not, they're not as, the NBA has changed from a, center-dominated league, and it's more focused on guards and wings. So, yeah, we'll see how that happens because Aiden – I'm not saying Aiden's not good. I'm just saying that centers in today's today's um, league just aren't as valuable. So, it's hard to get the max unless your name is um, – Jokic. Yeah, Nicole Jokic. Uh, one more, I think – yeah, this is the last thing we wanted to talk about. This is actually came out today. Marvin Bagley, power forward for the Kings. He's not on the opening night rotation for the Kings. And I don't really know why. Maybe he maybe the Kings just want to trade him and they want to get they're looking to trade him and they just don't they want to get the team used to not having him there or something. I don't know. But Marvin Bagley's agent was not happy. This is a direct quote from his agent. Sacramento has informed Marvin Bagley he is not in the opening night rotation, which is completely baffling. It's clear they have no plans for him in the future and yet pass on potential deals at last year's deadline and this summer based on value. Instead, they chose to bring him back and not play him, a move completely contradictory to their value argument. This is a case study in mismanagement by the Kings organization. And the King, the Kings are a mess. Can the Kings we, front can office we declare is, that it's a mess? It's been declared for several years. I think, which actually Marvin Bagley was in this draft class with mm-hmm. Aiton and Luca and Trey. So that alone just tells you about this Kings organization, which Marvin Bagley was kind of a stud in college. I get it. But that's going to be one of those things that we look at in a couple of years. And it's like, man, what a, what a missed opportunity for the Kings. And it's one of many. Their, their front office has always been kind of a joke. They miss, they miss out on draft drafts and they're just not that good of a front office. And, I, I just I think Marv I think the reason is they're looking to, to trade him, but I kind of see his point here. If you're going to trade him and you have these teams that are interested, why not trade him last year at the deadline exactly. or during exactly. the summer? So and if it was really based on value, you weren't getting the value back. Then why are you why are you sitting him now if you think he's valuable? He's he's right with it being with it contradicting that. Yeah, argument. if he's not going to play, the trade value is going to go down. I'm exactly. So I don't. I don't really get it. I for sure. I kind of see where Marvin Bagley's agent's coming from, and that's it. That's it for NBA. We'll hit that harder next week when the season is more of in full swing. The, Definitely. Um. So moving on from that, we're gonna go to MLB. 
All right, so going into MLB, um, obviously we got the playoffs going on right now. So, Brett, give us give us the update on the playoffs, man. Well, currently we are in the ALCS and the NLCS. Right now, these – well, actually, Dodgers-Braves game three is just wrapped up. Dodgers got a 6-5 to five win over the Braves, and they they have to win. Both the series are kind of in the same spot right now. The Dodgers have to win this upcoming game or else they're going to fall behind 3-1 to the Braves. Braves actually last year blew a 3-1 lead to the to the Dodgers in the AL, in the NLCS. So, I I mean, it's happened before. I don't see that happening twice in a, <laughs> twice in a row. And on the other hand, Astros are in the same spot. They're currently down 2-1 to one in the top of the sixth as Boston leads that game 2-1 to one and the series 2-1. to one. So they have to win that too or they, they risk falling behind 3-1. And honestly, I hope this game goes to game seven and then just never ends because I don't like the Red Sox or the Astros. <laughs> and whichever team comes out of the NL, I will be rooting for them because I do not like either one of these teams whatsoever. Obviously, I have a little bit of a stronger dislike of the Red Sox as a Yankees fan, but the Astros in that in that uh, playoff run where they stole signs, went on to win the World Series, they actually played the Yankees on their way to that. So, and Astros, like I said, they're down two to one. They're really missing Lance McCullers, who was huge form in the ALDS. They have they're not going to have him for this series. I'm not sure if he's coming back for the World Series or not, but they're definitely missing him. I I still think the Astros win this game type the series two to two not sure about the series though the red Sox are playing really good baseball and that's as much of a compliment as you're going to get from me on the red Sox. they're playing really good that's all i can say and i like i said i really hope the brace of the dodgers go ahead and win the world series just because i both these teams man i do not like them whatsoever but that's basically it for mlb we're going to go straight into the nfl and we went ahead and told you last week that we were going to keep track of our records. We're going to go ahead and get that out of the way real quick. I went 9-6 and six in my predictions. Gavin, on the other hand, had some better luck. I'll let you go ahead and tell him. No, I'll let you go ahead no, and tell him. go ahead. You I get, went 13-2. 13-2. Call me the pig god. 13-2. Yeah, Gavin had a good week picking. Um Looking back on it, I kind of wish I would have chose this Jags team over the Dolphins because the Dolphins are terrible. And the Panthers, I literally said on the podcast last week that they were they were not contenders whatsoever. The 3-0 record was a joke. And I picked them, and they ended up losing in overtime to the Vikings. No one saw the Ravens beating this Chargers team as they bad as they did. They stomped them 34-6. to The Rams get a win against the Giants, which we both predicted. Colts go over and stomp the Texans. Um, Carson Wentz played really well. Uh, the Chiefs get yeah, well, a much-needed win against the Washington football team. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this game for a second. I don't know if you watched it. I did. I did. So, I actually didn't get to watch this game live, but I, I watched highlights afterwards, listened to a lot of people talk about it. And this first half, you look at I looked at the score, and I was like, man, looks like we played really well. Well, this first half of the Chiefs was – about as ugly as the rest of the season has gone for them. They were down 13-10 to 10 going into halftime, and Mahomes, had, he had another pick that was not his fault, bounced right off Hill's hands. It's been a problem for the Chiefs this season was this drop pass is leading to picks. But Mahomes actually, he he beat his worst of his career from earlier in the season against the Ravens, made a 
terrible throw going into halftime. Trying to, he was falling down, trying to throw it. And in a situation where if he had just taken the sack, Harrison Bucker comes out on the field, kicks a field goal, and the game's tied, 13-13 to going into halftime. This has been a theme for the Chiefs all year. Mahomes has been trying to do a little bit too much. And I've listened to 8-10 um, from Sunday until um, today, which is Tuesday. And, dude, there's so many people calling in, freaking out about the Chiefs. It is so funny. And, you know, we've looked at – and the story of the Chiefs this year is the turnovers. Yep, the Chiefs um, lead the league in turnovers, actually. Um, 8-10, I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, they did a thing. It was like uh, if the Chiefs don't uh, turn the ball over or um, kneel the ball, they score on like – it was like something crazy. It was like 75% of their drives. Oh, yeah. they The Chiefs' offense – despite the turnovers, is still the well-oiled machine that we expect. They're the best team by far on third down. In this game, they converted eight straight third downs. Daryl Williams comes in and plays very well for not playing at all. Yeah, William, Daryl Williams, is. it's going to be interesting to see if he, in these next two games, because Clyde's going to miss a minimum of three games being on the IR, and it's going to be interesting to see if he comes out and throws or runs for 100-plus there's Chiefs fans already kind of turning on Clyde. I don't really know why because Clyde in the first two weeks had 100-plus yards rushing, and he he's not playing bad at all. He just has problems staying healthy. And Darryl if, Williams, if the Chiefs if the Chiefs can run the ball with Darrell Williams, this offense is unstoppable, and I truly believe well, the that. offense has already been unstoppable. And it's been the turnovers and the defense. You know, we looked, um, we looked at these drives. Um, we look at these drives that they score on, and most of these drives that don't result in turnovers are 12, 14 play drives that are working the defense down, moving downfield, and they're not like last year where the Chiefs were scoring three play drives, five play drives, just big, you know, big plays. This year, whenever the Chiefs try to, you know, um, make those big plays, Patrick Mahomes ends up doing too much, and he throws an interception. Yeah, and that's, like I said, that's been the problem, is Mahomes just needs to stay within himself. And I think, I think, I didn't actually see this, but what I've heard is that Tyron Matthew, right before halftime, was – Livid was very upset with this team, and I think maybe at halftime, I think maybe at halftime there was a little bit of a come to Jesus moment with the Chiefs because Absolutely. they came out outscored the Washington in the in the second half, twenty one to zero, end up getting a thirty one thirteen win. Unfortunately, we saw Jody Fortson, who backup tight end for the Chiefs, go down. This guy actually made the play of his career early in the game, made a great or yeah. Uh, yeah, Jody, Jody Fortson, like I said, um, made the play of his career, made a great grab. I don't know who it was. I can't remember. I I can't remember the guy's name. I know exactly who it is, but made a 27-yard grab. And honestly, I think that him and perhaps um, Gordon, Josh Gordon, are the only two players on this team that can make a play like that where they just go up over somebody and makes the grab. Definitely. Kelsey and Hill are both run after catch guys. They're not guys that are going to mm-hmm. go up. So that's what that's what I mean is that these this guy Fortson and Gordon, they kind of are the only two guys that can make grabs like that. Gordon again didn't really get that much uh, PT with 
Um, still trying to get used to the offense a little bit. I think I think he'll continue to work in. I think it's going to be playoff time where we see him become a real player. I, I don't. Offense. I don't see Gordon getting in. Um, Byron Pringle um, and Demarcus Robinson. They've been playing well football. I mean, whenever you're. Uh, Patrick Mahomes needs them. They perform, and I just I don't see a spot for Josh Gordon. I well, think this was a sign, like Le'Veon Bell, where it's just like we're gonna sign him for as little as we can, so no one else picks him up. Well, I saw a take, and I actually agree with it. I didn't think about this before I saw it. I think, and it sounds kind of stupid at first, but if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Josh Gordon, the Chiefs, whenever they play a secondary like this Washington team, that's which um. The Washington D-backs this year have been terrible. The front mm-hmm. four have been pretty solid, but their their defensive backs are terrible. And McCall Harmon, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, they can win in coverage against these these uh, secondaries that aren't very good. It's whenever we play the secondaries like the Bills where we're going to need Josh Gordon because he can win in co- on one-on-one coverage against D-backs like that. I can see that. It's been a problem against the Bills. We saw – McCole Hartman, Byron Pringle, Mark Robinson, they couldn't really get open, and we couldn't – they were so keyed in on Hill and Kelsey, but also they couldn't get open. These other three guys couldn't really get open. Josh Gordon's a guy who once he gets fulfilled – or, yeah, once he gets more comfortable with this with this, um, with this, this offense, he'll, he'll get open and he'll be that guy we can go to because there are so many weapons you can't key in on all of them. And as a non-Chiefs fan, um, the Chiefs are still my pick to win the AFC. I think – I've learned, especially in these past couple of years with this team, you you don't bet against the Chiefs. Well, another thing, especially come playoff time. Well, another thing, we finally saw Juan Thornhill. He he became the starter. Him and um, Sorensen kind of switched roles. Sorensen or um, Thornhill was a starter, and then they brought in um, Sorensen as that third safety that we kind of just bring in for certain situations, not as many snaps, and it helped out a lot. Um, this Thornhill, he is more of an athlete than than Swanson is, and also Rashad Fenton. He's getting more looks with, uh, with some injuries in our secondary, and also Nick Bolton and as well as um, Ben Neiman. Ben Neiman is also getting more looks with – um, Anthony Hitchens out. There's a lot of names that I'm trying to remember here. That there's just so many names that we've been dealing with injuries on the Chiefs, and so Ben Neiman did pretty well as that as the main linebacker with Anthony Hitchens going out. And this defense did way better in the second half. And I think this, I think that the Chiefs have got are getting closer to figure it out. This may be the turning point for the Chiefs going definitely. Forward. So we took a lot of time with that game, but obviously since me being a Chiefs fan, we're going to do that. But moving on, Packers-Bears, Packers have a 10-point win. And that was expected. Um, Bears are down to their third-string running back. Um, hopefully David Montgomery gets off IR this week. Um, we'll see what happens with that Bears offense. Bengals get an obvious win against the Lions. The Bengals are heating up, and I'm excited to see them play the Ravens. Um, the Cardinals get a huge win over the Browns. The Browns got curb stomped by the Cardinals. I think to know here, Nick Chubb did not play, and Cream Hunt also got hurt late in the game. So I think the Cardinals still would have won, but that game, 37-14, probably doesn't happen if Nick Chubb's in the game. Absolutely. Um, Cowboys beat the Patriots. This was a great game. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of life out of the Patriots. Obviously not wins, but 
closer games than what it usually is. Yeah, and Trayvon Diggs is another pick. He continues his his um, great season. Well, his good season he's having. He does lead the league in picks, but he also leads the league in yards given up. So that's just a key thing. Kind of reminds me of Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters for the Chiefs would always get a lot of picks and turnovers, but he also was very prone to getting beat downfield. So Definitely. it's kind of the same thing here with, with Diggs. Um, and then we see an in-division uh, rival, the Raiders and the Broncos. Raiders get um, a big win over the Broncos. Um, and the Raiders, I think, are starting to cool off. Yeah, they um, are. They really are. They get a 10-point win here over the Broncos. Derek Carr kind of returns back to what we what he's been doing uh, in the early part of the season. Goes for 341 yards and two touchdowns. Not a bad game at all. But – yeah, I think the Raiders are starting to cool off a little bit, and honestly, I think that they, I think that they start to kind of lose more and more games. They're going to finish with maybe 10, 11 wins. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the way I expect the Raiders season to go. And then um, Steelers, Steelers going to win the huge overtime win against the Seahawks. TJ Watt is an animal, and if he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, the NFL is rigged. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I don't know about it being rigged. Are you, you kidding? A, you me? got a three-point win over a Russell Wilsonless Seahawks. Uh, I'm I'm just talking strictly about T.J. Watt. He yeah, played he did, out of he his did mind. force the fumble in overtime that ultimately won the Steelers the game. There, he also got a sack on the first um the first overtime possession of the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not denying T.J. Watt is not the best, Should've second won. best defensive player in the league by an Aaron Donald. Oh my, okay. um. He is. He's behind Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is by is hands down the best defensive player in the league. The reason you don't hear a lot out of him is because he's got two guys on him the whole time. And so does TJ Watt. Okay. All right. Anyway, TJ Watt is not the best. He's not as good as Aaron Donald. All right. Anyway. Just discussion. So close. let's talk let's talk about this uh Bills Titans. Yeah. Matchup. Um, I think the Titans kind of got forgotten about early in the year they yeah, because they weren't playing. Yeah, because they dropped that game to the Jets. They just got destroyed by the AJ Cardinals Brown. week one and also lost to the Jets. When A.J. Brown and Julio Jones were out. Yeah, and they kind of got forgotten about, but they've reemerged and reproven themselves as a player in the AFC. And they're now they've moved to 4-2 and two along with the Bills. I believe the Ravens now have the top spot in the AFC. They're five and one. I don't think there's any other five and one teams in the AFC. And I predicted um, the Titans to win this game, and I also predicted AJ Brown have a breakout game. And Brett is not classifying AJ Brown's performance as a breakout game. Yes, he only had seven receptions for ninety-one yards. But if you look at AJ Brown's past games, he has not played this well, and he was also the leading receiver on this Titans team. He was the leading receiver on this Titans team who, other than him, Julio Jones had 59 yards. That's not really that much in terms of receiving yards. This is the best he's played all year. Yeah. That's a breakout that's game. Not that's a break- classified as a breakout game. When but, you're but A.J. Bad, Brown had been playing at a level that we were not used to seeing from A.J. Brown, and now he kind of gets back to his – previous way he played and in. I'm sure you're happy with this performance aren't you I mean yeah I was happy with his performance I still took an L in fantasy though so I didn't really really wasn't that happy but imagine being one in five that's all I can say I'm one in five in fantasy with Matt Stafford Amari Cooper AJ Brown and Debo Samuel as well as Austin Eckler I have no idea how I'm one in five but I don't know either man. <laughs> it's literally like the team like my team just kind of I have players that go off but then 
A.J. Brown hasn't been playing that good, and we, I can't get it all together in one week. That's kind of how my season's been going. It's understandable, man. But this is not a breakout game. Seven receptions for 91 yards. This is yards. considered a that's breakout game. That's expected from A.J. Brown. But he hasn't been performing this way. But that's not a breakout game. Would you say Patrick Mahomes throwing for 397 was a breakout game this week? Yeah, because he's – No, because he's Mahomes. You expect okay, games okay, like listen. that. Okay, okay, listen. Mahomes is different than A.J. Brown. Mahomes, I know he is, but I'm saying when a player – plays a certain way and they fall off and then they come back like within well, a, like he a, hasn't played this well at all this season yeah he's played in past he's been seasons dealing with injuries as, as well okay this is a breakout game for all him. right well our this, definition of a i breakout think game right i now, think different. it's a breakout game because it classifies as he's breaking out of his slump and going on the season i think he's gonna produce these numbers every single week now i hope so but question we saw at the end of this game Fourth and one, into the game. The the Bills are on their on the Titans ten yard line, something like that. They go for on a fourth down instead of kicking the field goal to go to overtime. It does not work. Your thoughts? I think the Bills would have won this game in overtime if they would have made it there. Okay, well that's the thing is this Titans defense. I put thirty four up on them. So if the Titans win the toss. What makes you think they just don't hand the ball to Derrick Henry every single time? And, and that's understandable. Derrick Henry run for three touchdowns. Exactly. So how? That's why I, I just I think that the Bills' offense is more put together. If that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm saying that if they, and they, if they they lose that toss. There's no there's no guarantee they get the chance to win the game. Each team gets one possession in overtime. No, they don't. Yes, they do. If the Titans drove on the field and scored a touchdown, that's the game. I don't think so. <laughs> Dude, we're looking up overtime rules. I don't think so. I literally re- l- no, remember the looking Chiefs at the rules. Lo- the Chiefs lost a playoff game because – I think it's changed. No, it has not been changed. The Chiefs lost a playoff game because they lost a toss and Tom Brady drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. I think it's changed, dude. It's not changed. At the end of regulation to determine which team possesses the ball – Um. Sudden death play where the game ends Dude, on I any swear. score. A safety, which a safety or touchdown ends the game on the first drive. A field goal does not. Okay. Okay. If the field goal or touchdown continues until each team gets two minutes, that's not how they played it in the Steelers game. It was a 10-minute running no. clock. Each team does not have 10. I don't know what you're reading, but it's it's just like a normal – it's just like an added period. And then if it runs out, that it's a tie, unless it's playoffs, and they play another period. No more than ten minute period will follow three minute. Look, when does NFL overtime end? If the first team to possess the ball in overtime scores a touchdown, the game is over without the second team even having an opportunity on okay. offense. That's from NBCSports.com. That okay, that's right. That's right. the The rule changed that the the game can end in a tie. That because the game it didn't used to be like that, but that's been several years ago. Okay. So yeah, I I think the Bills made the right call. Fourth and one, you have Josh Allen, you have the stack. Oh no, you don't. They didn't make the right call. Absolutely not. You they keep did. the field going going to overtime. No, because again, you risk the chance of not even getting the ball. And this team, how much time was left? That was the last. That was like twenty seconds left. Yeah, no way. You get the first down and then you score again. If they get the first down, yeah, they would have. They had in twenty seconds. They had, I think, they had two or three timeouts. So they basically have all the time in the world. 
The Bills, I mean, if it's not it's not the same for every team, obviously, but if it's an offense like the Bills, and I go, you got to be aggressive. We see it. We see all. We see it a lot more now. Teams are way more aggressive than they used to be. They are. I think they made the right call. It just didn't happen. It just didn't work out. Okay. All right. Um. So the Bills dropped to four and two, and that was the Monday night game. Let's go ahead and go into the power rankings before we get into before we get into pick them. Okay. My well, ESPN ESPN's power rankings are. Cardinals one, and then Bills, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys. I I'm not ready to put the Cowboys in the top five yet. Uh, no, I'm not either. Mine are Cardinals, Rams, Bills, Bucks, and then I have the Ravens moving into the top five with their win over my number five last week, which was the Chargers. And mine is the Cardinals, Rams, Bills, Bucks, and I have the Packers instead of the Ravens. I just the Ravens. The Ravens are playing good, dude. I can't even. I they can't are. even hate, dude. Lamar. The Ravens, I saw a breakdown of this Ravens Chargers game. They, the way they beat this Chargers defense, they were running a lot of pre snap motions and they just didn't know how to beat the Chargers or the Chargers just had at any given play. They didn't even know who had the ball. And I'm glad they did that because maybe the Chiefs will run that and they're, and when they meet up against the Chargers again, because the Chargers or the Chiefs run that a lot where they hand the ball off or do a shuffle pass or something with. Tyreek or whoever, or McCole Hardman, whoever it might be. So they could definitely exploit that. I'm glad they did that because now that's on film for the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, right, I think so the Ravens the Ravens just outplayed them, honestly. All right, let's go right into the pick em. Do a quick pick em here. Um, First right. game is Thursday night, Browns-Broncos. The Browns will not have Kareem Hunt or, or Chubb. Nick Chubb in this game, potentially not Baker Mayfield. I think he's he's planning on playing, but he's getting a he's getting an MRI or whatever um, that medical term is that he's going to be getting to decide if he's ready or not to play. I'm still rolling with the Browns. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Browns as well. And this upcoming game, Chiefs Titans. This became this game becomes a lot more important now with the Titans reestablishing themselves in the AFC. And. and I, I like the Chiefs, but, man, I don't think this Chiefs defense can stop this Titans offense. So you're picking the Titans? I'm going to go with the Titans. I, I have the Chiefs. I think that – I think uh, – obviously my pick – I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs or my team. I didn't pick them against, against them to play against the Bills either. But I think this Chiefs team actually matches up well with the Titans. The Titans, the way they beat you is obviously with their running back, Derrick Henry. But they do a lot of inside runs with him. The Chiefs have been defending the inside run really well with Jaron Reed and oh, their other D tackle name slips my mind, but it's Jaron Reed and um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but their D tackles have been, been have been doing pretty well. And actually, I wanted to talk about this before. Whitney Merciless has been a been cut by the Texans, and he's kind of been a name that some Chiefs uh, talking heads have brought up as a potential signing. I don't know if they'll sign him or not because he's a veteran. He's 31 years old, and being a he just doesn't have that much left in the tank being a D lineman. I think he could help, especially with Chris Jones being hurt. Um, maybe Chris Jones could slide back to D tackle more where he's more comfortable. But I have the Chiefs winning. I think they match up well. I think they're figuring out that defense. I think they win. All right. Um, my next pick for the Packers and – Football team, I'm going with the Packers. Yeah, I think that they went to no point in even discussing that too far. 
But the Bengals-Ravens. This is going to be a great game. I think so, but too. But I do think the Ravens come out on top. Yeah, I don't think the Bengals' defense can match up against the Ravens' the Ravens um, offense as well, as well as they would hope. Now, the Ravens' defense I don't think matches up well with the Bengals' offense either. But I think that the Bengals go ahead – or Ravens go ahead and win this game. Next game, Panthers versus Giants. I'm going to roll with the Panthers. Um I think they're a better team. They lost to overtime last week, but I don't see the Giants competing with the Panthers. No, especially not with Saquon and their injuries they're having. I had the Panthers winning as well. Falcons, Dolphins. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Falcons here. I picked the Falcons as well. I After the Dolphins went ahead and they played in, they played in England and they're coming back on a long flight home. I think exhaustion is going to be a, a thing, a big key here. They're going to have – and they're playing the Falcons, who I think are a better team than they are. And I just think they're not going to have that much time to prepare playing Sunday at noon after a long flight home. I think they go ahead and lose this game, and they're going to move to 1-6. and six. All right, next game up is the Jets versus the Patriots. I have the Patriots. I'm going to roll with the Patriots as well, I don't think. I think the Jets are playing better, but I think the Patriots are, like I said before, also playing really well. So I think they um, get this W. Eagles versus Raiders. I'm going to go with an upset, and I think the Eagles come out and beat the Raiders. I went ahead and picked the Raiders. I don't think that they're going to lose this game. I want them to because they're a divisional rival against the Chiefs, but I don't think they're going to. Um, um, probably the biggest blowout of the game we yeah. could just go ahead – or the week we could just go ahead and call it right now. Yeah, I think the Rams smoke the Lions. Um, yeah, I think that's Not really much all to the, say here. They're gonna, yeah. Yeah. Bears to Buccaneers. I think this might be a good game if uh, David Montgomery gets uh, off IR, but I still think the Buccaneers are way too good for the yeah, Bears. Yeah, the Buccaneers. Um, Texans, then, Cardinals are potentially this, another blowout. Yeah, this is also going to be another blowout. I have the Cardinals by a million. I have the Cardinals winning as well. Good matchup here, I think. 49ers versus the Colts. Yeah, I think this could be a good matchup. Um, I'm going to go ahead and roll with the Colts on this one. Um, I, I picked the 49ers. I don't think the Colts, I don't think they had the firepower to be. I think Jonathan Taylor has been playing really well. I think, I think Jonathan Taylor is really their only, I mean, Michael Pittman has been slowly increasing his, his, um, star power, but I just don't think they have the guys to perform against this 49ers team. So I think the 49ers get the win. Saints and Seahawks Monday night football game. (sighs) This is tough to pick for me. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I think Geno Smith gets even more comfortable. You know, causing a overtime fumble and him single-handedly losing it for the Seahawks, I think that's going to motivate him throughout the week. They're playing Monday night primetime. I think the Seahawks ball out and they end up beating the Saints. I think famous Jameis gets his win. I think they continue to – Win and I think the Seahawks continue to struggle against the or without Russell Wilson. So yeah, I think I, I think the, I think the Saints win this game. All righty, and that's gonna wrap up um, our NFL pick'em. Um, and I think that's gonna wrap up the episode. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we like we said, we really love doing this. We really love doing this for you guys, and we want to make it the best that we can. Yeah, like Gavin said, continue to give us your feedback. We definitely want to continue to make this better and. 
Next week, we're going to hit the NBA hard. It's going to be the season's going to be getting ready to get into full swing. There was only two games tonight, and one hadn't even happened yet. So, And we'll also be doing our district preview for eight-man, yep. which will be exciting. Yeah, definitely a big episode coming up next week, so you don't want to miss it. Definitely not. Thank you guys um, for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week.